I definitely did so many bad things. And my parents never took that one action and made it all encompassing of me. I always knew like, no matter what, my parents still love me. And I know what the standard is for them of like what they, you know, think is moral or not moral, like what's right, what's gonna get me a better future. Like I knew those things. I just don't like that looming threat of if you do something bad, you're not gonna get something. If you, and now you're a bad person or that's like good person, that's a bad person. That one's an evil person. Like, I just don't like those labels. Santa Claus is a big, fat, creepy old man coming to invade your house, and we shouldn't celebrate him at all. Wow. That's a little more aggressive than I was going for. I was going to say a manipulative... I actually manipula don't believe that, also. Okay. Just <laughs> oh, all right. But we're, so we're starting. We're just drawing you in. We're just drawing you in because Stephanie does. Welcome to Mission Daily. You know the boss lady, Stephanie Postles. My name is Albert Chow. We run a podcasting company and Stephanie's got an interesting point of view. She now thinks that Santa Claus should be, or the story of Santa Claus should be punted into the sun. <laughs> Why is that? Yeah. I just have some thoughts now. I mean, not thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I've got some opinions, strong opinions, weekly held, but it all happened the other day when my son came home, he was five and a half. And he came home and he was super sad. And I was like, what's wrong, Grayson? Like, you know, did something happen at school? And he goes, no, I'm just sad because I'm going to be getting a lump of coal. And he was super serious. And I'm like, what do you mean? Why would you get a lump of coal? And he's like, because I was mean to grandma and grandpa. And it just made me be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, who, why? Said who said well, that? Well, first, I'm wondering, who, who the fuck told you that? They're like, <laughs> who told you you're getting a lump of coal, first of all? But second, I'm like, that, how seriously he was taking it. And I've now heard it a couple times after that where he really thinks because he did that one bad behavior now he's going to get coal and it started making me be like okay where like i don't like this manipulative use of violent force and i'm calling it violent after we read nonviolent communication go to a previous episode about that book and thought process but it feels like it's so manipulative of telling kids you know you've got someone always watching you and they're making a list of good and bad things you did and then making them think that if you do bad things, you're a bad person and you might get cold now. And so it's just this whole narrative made me wonder where the story even came from and why we're always having to use this kind of force to control people, force to control kids, force to control populations, whatever it might be, using government, religions, prisons, like there's always these threats. And it made me think, okay, once a kid starts thinking that they're bad and has shame around something, that's the worst place you can go. I mean, when you're feeling like you really messed up and you're just like, you know, I've been bad, what happens? You probably might become even worse. Or you might just think, well, now there's no point. I might as well give up on being good at all. So I just, it had me thinking about what we've been telling our kids, what I've been telling my kids, how I grew up. I mean, I grew up with Santa Claus. I don't even think my parents ever told me it wasn't real. My mom just kept it going, which I, I mean, it was fun and it was magical. But I never really thought too much of it. And I do remember those moments of being like, oh, man, I just said something mean or I did something mean. And it put me in, you know, a tailspin wondering, well, now I'm not going to get something. or I'm not going to get the thing I want. And yeah, so just I'm not sure if I really want to use the Santa Claus thing anymore. However, I do have something else that we I've started using, which I think is interesting because I started looking into Santa Claus. And did you think that Santa Claus and St. Nick were the same? Yes. Like, what do you think? Yes. Me too. Okay. So I, I always did not grow were... up in a religious household. So yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, the fact that you just brought yeah. it up, they're two different things might be the first time I've ever heard that. Same. <laughs> okay. I didn't know either. And well, I, don't I know also if you're right either. I'm just saying this. I think this I is the am first right. time. <laughs> no, I Man, am right. I'm looking this I, up right now. You tell you go look that up. Go look it up because I am right now. <laughs> I, I only started diving into it because I also did not grow up in a religious household. The only time we were going to church was when something bad happened. Like, oh, something happened with your parents or your grandparents or you guys are being way too bad in school. And they would send us into church and make us go to a random Sunday school after we hadn't been to church in like five years. So that was my element of church. So I also did not grow up in a religious household. So for anyone who's listening and they're probably like, yeah, duh, St. Nick is not the same. But I didn't even realize where this concept of Santa came from, uh, which, you know, when you think about Santa, you think about, you know, the guy with... He's dressed in all fur from head to toe. He's got those twinkling eyes and rosy cheeks and the white beard and, you know, the round belly. And he's bringing kids. He's like this elf who's bringing kids presents. And 
Santa, like that version of him, actually came from the poem Twas the Night Before Christmas, which was released in 1823. That was like the starting point of the Santa Claus that many of us know in America. That was a starting point of when it kind of created this new persona of Santa Claus and made it more commercialized, made it more about gifts um, and created what we know today. So I know Santa's had many makeovers for a very long time, but this was like the biggest one in 1823 that created the Santa that we know today of like a big fat dude jumping down your chimney, giving presents and like the look and what he does. It was all from that poem that went out in a New York newspaper in 1823. You look baffled. You're trying to prove me wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm actually just reading about this. But so from what I'm reading, Santa Claus is based, though, on St. Nicholas, meaning St. Nicholas was an actual person who was kind and gave gifts and gave his wealth away. He or, was. Right. And so but the Santa Claus, is that the Santa's, lore is based, that one act is what I guess say, Santa Claus is based off of or influences Santa Claus. I don't know. I mean, I'm yeah, sure a lot I, of people throughout time have given out gifts. Yes. Yeah. I think what we see today is very far off from St. Nicholas, who was sure. a bishop. He was a patron saint and he was... Yeah, he was known for a lot of very generous things. He was known for healing people. Um, so yeah, he was definitely like the essence of him was this generous man who was using his money, giving it other, to other people, healing other people, saving other people. So he had this generosity about him. Um, but I just think that part gets missed today when you think about, you know, the spirit of Christmas and the holidays. You don't really think about St. Nicholas, who's off healing people and giving people his inheritance and you know, doing kind things and saving like people who are about to be executed. You don't think about people like that, um, which to me, that essence, like that less earthly figure of thinking back to like, okay, St. Nicholas and like what he's known for, how to tap more into that instead of the fake Santa Claus of what we see now, which I think many people would be like, I thought it was always that guy. It was always the guy in a big red thing, red, red suit with his reindeers and giving out presents and all that. And like that piece really is very, uh, stretched from the original St. Nicholas, which was, you know, like I said, a saint and a bishop. So what are you saying? Are you saying that so, this is just for you? What I'm saying or are you is, saying for conscious parents well, or who, no, I, who should punt the I story think of that Santa one, Claus to the moon? I don't think you have to punt it, but I do think it's something to at least be more aware of, of where it came from. And my whole thought was more around, you know, using coercive tactics like this to control kids or anyone. I just don't like that looming threat of if you do something bad, you're not going to get something if you, and now you're a bad person or that's like good person. That's a bad person. That one's an evil person. Like, I just don't like those labels. And I just think that it takes away from who a person actually is, even if they did commit something that maybe wasn't good. <laughs> like maybe it was, an act that was not of their true nature. Maybe a kid did was mean to his grandparents, you know, that happens, but trying to pull apart like the behavior from the person and not just being like, okay, well now you're bad. And now you get, you know, you're going to get a lump of coal. That's where I think that it kind of was triggering to me. Not that I'm saying that anyone else should do anything different. I'm just saying it's something to think about, especially when I started going down the rabbit hole of like, where did this even come from? Oh, a poem made it popular. Okay. Before then, I mean, before then, Christmas was kind of this like drunken holiday <laughs> with like some pretty like scandalous things going on that a lot of people were shunning and being like, we shouldn't even have Christmas anymore because it's pretty terrible. And then it kind of got a makeover with this poem where it switched it more into this, you know, magical element for children, which I love. But I think there's just pieces of it that I'm like, if it's being used to control and coerce. I think that's just a violent way to try and control your child, right. a violent way to communicate. <laughs> and uh, especially if it's, you know, kind of convincing them that now they are a bad kid because they did something. And yeah, I mean, I, have you ever, I feel like I, I went down the wormhole so much that I started reading about also Mary Magdalene. Have you read about her before? No. So her, I mean, the one quote, she just had a quote that was basically talking about, uh, like sin and how there's really no sins. It's just like a person forgetting their soul and like letting their human body do something and acting on things. And maybe their human body is doing something, but they just kind of forgot who they were. And so there really are no like sinners. It's just maybe you had an action that wasn't like aligned with your values. 
Um, but that is what brought it full circle back to what am I making my kids believe if I push this narrative that you're being watched all year long and you should do something just so you're on the nice list instead of them intrinsically wanting to do it because they want to do it on their own. Are your kids really that thoughtful? I mean, let me ask you a question because I'm telling you right now, it was fine for my experiences where like I didn't use it all year long to control their behavior, but it also when and yes, I would tell them that they were being bad. And they I'm, probably I, were I know you get, probably did. I, mean, I definitely did that. Um, but I can't I also can't tell if they had like any they had any memory or long term memory. Like my kids were I think more like normal kid like I think my kids were like the majority of kids, which in one year out the other and the life goes on. See, mine remember like mine that's why I'm like, like I want to hear from they don't, anyone they don't who's bring up things from like minutes think- ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I would love to hear anyone who's listening, like just thoughts, send us an email info at mission.org. Tell us what are your kids like, because mine are very thoughtful and they remember things from a long time ago um, and they'll bring it back up. And yeah, I mean, the thing with Santa has just come up a lot and it doesn't, I think it's jarring because it doesn't come from my household. So it's not a narrative that I've ever, ever said. And I've never even pushed the concept of Santa. I'm more I'm like, it's just the spirit of Santa. Now I'm shifting it to the spirit of St. Nicholas and generosity. And how can we incorporate that all month long? And what things can we do for each other? And on the way to school, we're talking about like things we're grateful for and things we love about each other and just incorporating the generous spirit. And then also, I mean, my kids are like writing letters for my neighbors. They love like drawing my neighbor's letters to say like, I love you on them, which is pretty funny because my neighbors are like, who's writing me notes to say, I love you. Um, But things like that, it's more the spirit of, you know, this holiday time. But not, yeah, just not doing something because you're told that if you don't do it, you'll be in trouble. I mean, because to me, I'm like, I like showing the unconditional love that my kids are always going to get. Oh, I tell my kids just, my love is conditional. I, conditional? I straight up tell yeah, them. Yeah, I don't. Well, how, do you, how would you say that to your kid? And do you think that's healthy for them? Um, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I do think it's healthy for them because I do it. I wouldn't do something I purposely think is unhealthy. Um uh-huh. But yeah, I do tell them that there are certain there are certain ways where I would not be proud of you very clearly. Like what? So like if they were criminals, if they were engaged in criminal behavior, if they were actively taking from other people, if they got involved. Could you still be proud of them and like pull apart that one action and still be proud of them as a person no. and just pull the action apart? No. No? Oh, wow. See, I definitely could still be proud of my kid yeah. and be like that action. I don't I'm not aligned with that action. And let's talk about what needs you had. Like but I wouldn't automatically give them a label or be like, now I'm not proud of you. Or now you're a criminal because of that one action. Cause if I had gotten those labels, I would have gotten so many fucking labels from my parents. Cause I did so much bad shit. Well, I mean, and what I remember the, of my parents was I'm like, I still love mistake. you. Steph. Come on. I'm saying like active, active. When we, when we review it all the time, like you're going to hurt the health and well being of someone else on purpose. Um, you're going to try to take on purpose. You definitely, I would not be proud of them in that, in that moment. I think to some of the, I think some of the, like a uh, like the like Brian Laundry in a Gabby Petito case. Brian Laundry, he uh, he eventually killed. It was found that he had killed his uh, his girlfriend. She she went missing for a while. But the big thing that was came from it was when the investigation started going down while she was missing and assumed alive. Later on, it was pretty clear that her, his parents were kind of helping him cover it. Like they were actively working with him to help him get away with murder. So yeah. like, that's again, you very intense you scenario. Gonna, you ain't going to find me in there. You know what I mean? Like uh, tell yeah. my kids, like yeah. if you do something, if you do something, I try to teach the things that are important to me, I think might be a little bit different. And I just have a different view of the world than others. Um, the one thing I do not try to hide my kids from is the fact that their feelings. In fact, I would tell them like, your feelings are probably going to get hurt. Like it is really hard to like for the world to bend around you. I think the world's going to move forward with or without you. We as people are irrelevant. Like we're, we're just irrelevant. Like we, we're just one of 8 billion people on earth. Like it doesn't, nothing we do matters. And I know that's a negative, possibly negative, but my whole point is, is that yet this idea that you can bend the will of those around you to create a better environment for you is highly unlikely. I think you could probably find a better network that of people that see eye to eye with you. I think that's very possible, but you're going to hear a lot of negative things in your world, in your lifetime. And I think 
my personal opinion is that as a human, you will be bet you will have an easier time in life if you can ignore those things and not and so tolerates tolerates not the same thing as ignore like like when people talk crap about me i just doesn't even bother me i just keep going like you know what i mean like yeah but it's probably because those people you're like eh versus like if your mom i mean what because what i'm thinking about is there's a it's very different being a kid with a parent who is not proud of you i grew up like that i grew up like that every asian grows up like that asian parents constantly tell their kids that they're not good enough (laughs) yeah and do you think i mean what do you think about that well asians also have the higher percent by percentage they have a higher percentage of uh children that take care of their parents so i don't Mm -hmm. know if it's a bad thing but that might just be a cultural norm like you're supposed to do that it could also be a cultural norm that you're really tough on your your children you know what I mean? So like the, mm. the, both those things could be true. I'm just, my personal opinion is that I think the world is pretty hard. I think that is, I think in depending on who you are, it can be a lot harder. So I just kind of raised my kids with this idea that like, if people say stuff about you, you just kind of have to deal with it. Like if someone mm-hmm. calls you ugly, well, you just gonna have to deal I with it. I think, yes, that's, so that's always normal yeah. is having to hear bad things from people. Yeah. I definitely think that, I guess I'm more, just relating it back to when I was growing up as a kid, I definitely did so many bad things and my parents never took that one action and made it all encompassing of me. And had they done that, I think it would have been harder, but I always knew I had a safe place with my parents, even if they would be not happy with that action. And I know it's not something they would condone. I mean, I stole things. I got in fist fights. I ran away. I would sneak out all the time. I mean, I would do stuff all the time. And I always knew that like, no matter what, my parents still love me. And I know what the standard is for them of like what they, you know, think is moral or not moral, like what's right, what's going to get me a better future. Like I knew those things, but I think it was supportive just knowing that they didn't just be like, oh yeah, you're just this kind of person now. Whereas nowadays I just see so many labels being thrown at kids for, or at anyone, honestly, for like one action, like you do one action, one thing, and all of a sudden you have a big label around you. And I'm like, I just don't know if that's helpful because I don't think making people feel shameful for something that maybe they're already embarrassed by is helpful. Like shame is one of the worst things that people can be in and it's there for a reason. And I think it can also make people spiral as well. Yeah, super tough. I mean, in in, in each person is going to have their own thing, but we are, I mean, it's, I think by and large, people are measured by their worst, by their worst moments. You know what I mean? Like. If you you could have, be in a happy marriage for twenty years, you go ahead and cheat on your wife. You might you might be labeled a cheater for the rest of your life. You uh, have, live an honest life for a long time. You decide to steal a substantial amount of money from your business partner. You're going to be considered a thief the rest of your life, probably. Um, there are certain things that I think are we are measured by our lowest moments. Uh, I mean, I don't tell my kids I'll hate them forever. I tell I tell them like my my opinions of them will be influenced by the last thing that they did. I just tell them it's just how it is. Like in like, if I take a step back, I can always think to all the good stuff. But if you do something terrible in that moment, my mind doesn't think about all the good things. My mind thinks about what have you done right now? My kids really also don't to date. They've not done anything substantially bad, you know, good kids, straight A kids. I think that the worst thing they do is they leave their socks around a lot. It's kind of annoying. (laughs) But I also don't, like, I I don't see... punish them hard too. So I should, if I, maybe if I whoop that okay. ass for leaving socks around, they would stop. <laughs> or they would just hate you and be well, like. The, so I have to decide, am I going to throw up a fight over these socks or just kind of eat it? And so yeah. in that case, I just kind of eat it because these socks are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that after reading that book, it's just made me see things differently yeah. in so many areas of just how much control is being used in certain scenarios. And that's why if I had not read nonviolent communication book, I would probably not have been like, whoa, 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 what is this going on? But once you get more knowledge or you start just kind of exploring different concepts, I just think it can kind of make you see things a bit different or definitely can make you see things a bit differently. And that's what that book has done for me where I'm looking at conversation styles. I'm looking at the Santa Claus thing and being like, okay, how can I make this still feel good for me and still feel magical for our kids? And not use coercion to get them to do something good. I just want them to do something good on their own. And I want them to know that if they do do something like be mean to their grandparents, it's okay. We all have bad moments. Like you can just apologize. It's such a fleeting thing. 
And that's all right. Like you get to move on. You don't have to stay in that. Coercion's a tough word though. Up. I mean, I, I don't think people, parents actually court, like, because it's so, I mean, I really don't know parents. I don't know parents that come through with their promises that they won't give them a gift. I think my kids know I will not give them a gift. They know. Okay. So then you're a parent that you know that will do Outside that. Outside of myself though. I think most parents just kind of keep harping on things. So then it's just that, that's what I also don't like then. It's just a constant threat yeah. that you're, that I mean, is I, and I've pro- also seen this too. A constant threat without follow through is a waste of time. If you're good, if you say you're going to whoop ass, yeah. go ahead and whoop it because you might, you might as well. Or don't because it's 2023 and we don't probably should not do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you should. But, I believe in spanking kids. I spanked all my kids and I'm, I'm a believer in it. <laughs> well, we need to wait until your kids are 30 and they they're like gone through and process traumas. Anymore and they're done. They don't count yet. Not till they're adult they're men. Done. They, they That's when most problems happen. Most problems happen when like it's adult men between the ages of like 25 and 30. So like, let's see how they are then and make sure they haven't killed anyone by then. And then <laughs> well, we'll know, but I need a case study and it's not longitudinal enough. There's a lot like, of people that have been spanked. Okay? A lot of people. I've been spanked. I know. I don't agree with it, but I was spanked a ton growing up and it, I did not think it worked at all. I remember many moments of just laughing and being like, That's this is so ridiculous that you're using this. They did make it hurt. It definitely made it hurt. They used belts and all these other things well, that's on a me. Bit and much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, remember I my know. My mom freaked out and started beating me and it hurt her hand. So then she started making me get. So my parents. Yeah. She started making me my get parents her slippers. Would use hands. Asians, traditional yeah. Asians, wear slippers everywhere. Leather soled slippers just get. <laughs> See, mine were like they didn't want to mess with their hands, so they use other things. So here, here's but, another thing that I was thinking about as you were talking about because how we were raised. How we're raised is, is, is place place probably the biggest part, you know? And my mom used to have this philosophy, which when she told people, people were like really taken aback. But it was actually based off of what my brother told her. So when my grandmother died, my, my, when, my, when my grandmother died when I was approximately seven, so my brother would have been around five. Maybe I was eight and he was, and he was um, six, something like that. Me and my brother two years apart. My brother made the comment as a young child, he was probably more sensitive and introspective. It sounds, uh, you know, like he definitely had deeper thoughts than me, but he made, he made a comment about how he didn't want to live without my mom. Meaning if my mom died, he wouldn't want to live and continue on. And, Cause I guess, I guess this is my brother watching like everyone cry. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, I'm like, why is grandma sleeping? Like, you know, grandma, she getting up, like she going to give me some candy. Like, yo, grandma's uh, never getting up again. Um, you know, kind of like, so she's observing when, this. When was this? So this is 1980. Like what, how old were I was probably eight. Okay. Okay. He was six. Okay. Something like that. Where I was seven, okay. he was five. Somewhere, somewhere in that range. Um, yep. and, uh, and, uh, I remember, so at that point, my mom made a decision. She wouldn't reveal it till later on in life, but she's, she told us something interesting. She said, like, why did she make us do hard things? Why did she introduce us to so many challenges? Why was she largely, I wouldn't say so it's not like she was unsupportive. It was more like she was constantly focused on us being able to do things on our own. And she said, I, I, my goal from that day forward was that if I died, you'd be okay. Since I can't control when I die. And I was like, and that starts from this day forward. And that's how she, she believed it. I mean, she really did believe it. So, so like, that's kind of where I get my parenting philosophy from and why I say like, I'm not afraid I don't think it's good. And I, I hate for it to happen to my son, my kids, because they've, they've had days, you know, bad days where people have been mean to them and stuff, but I've just kind of hung on to this idea that, you know, the world's probably not going to be kind to you. and It's also not going to stop for you. So how do you, how do you live your best life in a world that does that? Mm-hmm. So what's your brother like? He's two years younger. You said he was more introspective. What is he like now? Because how old is he now? Yeah, well, he's uh, 41. So I'm 43. Yeah. He's 41. Um, is he similar to you? What's that? Is he similar to you? My, uh, I, I would say no one on earth thinks we're alike. <laughs> okay. So what's he like then? Uh, I mean, he's much more thoughtful, analytical. Um, <laughs> probably most people would say he's kinder. Uh <laughs> I mean, he definitely, okay. he's a successful guy. He likes nice things. Um, you know, like he has a lot of fancy watches. <laughs> his his coffee maker, I think, is more expensive than any single thing I own. His coffee hmm. maker. Okay. <laughs> it's so interesting having siblings that are so yeah. 
different, we, you know, especially only being two years age gap. Yeah. We're actually less than that. We're like, uh, you know, like 20 months or 20, something like that. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, he, cause I wonder what he would say to some of these things that we're talking about, like having siblings so raised by the same parents and all that. Yeah. You need children. Though, so, uh, he, but you don't need children. I think this, this, this concept can expand past just having kids. I think, yeah. like I said, it's more of me just looking around at life now and being influenced by just seeing the, what I can't unsee now yeah. around violent communication. But um, yeah, I think kids does kind of help when you're talking about Santa Claus. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, he, I mean, he's a, uh, yeah, he and I are very different, but we were you know, raised pretty much the same. Well, I'll tell you what, here's the interesting thing. My dad was super interesting. So like he, he, he respected two sides of two, two things. He liked the fact that I was a good athlete, but he hated the fact that I was a bad student. I don't know if he looked at my brother the same because my brother was not as good of an athlete, but he did, my my brother was valedictorian. So he was super proud of the academic, like you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it was like he I don't know if he like found something to not be happy about with him. I don't know, but my dad very clearly was not pleased with me in my academic lack of achievement. <laughs> You feel like that influenced you at all about his opinion of that? Like, did it influence you through life knowing that he wanted you to be a certain way? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I growing up, uh, so before you're a parent, you probably think, or the day you know you're a parent, you probably start thinking, well, how am I going to do things? How am I going to approach things? I think most most adults do that. And I'm a believer, like you're either going to be like your parents or you're going to be the opposite. And I just actively chose to not be like him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he and I did not have a good relationship. Not, not very much. Um, so I actively chose to say, okay, what would he have done? What would I, how would I do it? So like, I'll give you an example. He, um, when I was little, I wanted to play football. Like little is like five or six years old. And I distinctly remember this. Um, so my mom got me a football, which would, was a big deal. And I was out <laughs> and I would go outside every day and throw it to myself, which means I didn't throw it very far, but I threw it high. You know what I mean? I would throw the football high and catch it. And my mom asked him, <laughs> like, why don't you go play with your son? And he, he said something like, oh, well, he doesn't know how to play. So she was like, Look, of course not. He's five or six years old. Like, why don't you go play with him and teach him? So he didn't really participate in our lives. It was like he was an observer. Like he he took pride in enabling our life to happen. And he took pride in, let's say, observing our life, the things he liked. But he didn't participate. And so I was like, man, I really did not like that growing up. So I was like, my kids want to play ball. If they want to kick a soccer ball, if they want, like my son now wants to play lacrosse, if he wants to play ice, like I'm going to say yes, because I remember distinctly to give you an idea, like a uh, senior night on a, uh, for lacrosse, we, you know, parents walk with their uh, kids on the field there. You're announcing college destinations, all that stuff. My dad hated lacrosse. He thought it was the stupidest sport. He didn't even like the fact that I played it because he thought it was that dumb. So he begrudgingly comes to senior night and you know, how schools raise money and they charge adults tickets to the game. It's like three bucks, four bucks at our school the parking lot overlooked the like our school was like the stadium was like downhill. It's the best way to describe it, it was downhill. And the parking lot was up high. My dad refused to pay. He, he left. <laughs> he watched some of the game from the outside and he left. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> like that was super weird. And I was like, all right, I won't do that with my kids. I'll, I'm going to watch whatever it is yeah. they, they do. Yep. I mean, I think it's always interesting hearing about, early or just memories like that or experiences, because I'm like, I do think it impacts you a lot, whether people know it or not, it impacts your thinking. Even if you think, I don't care what my dad thinks, there's sometimes always still an element. Like, I don't care what my mom thinks, eh, maybe somewhere unconsciously. Yeah. I still wish they did approve. I still wish they were proud of me. And that's where I just think those kind of actions or words are such strong opinions telling your kids thing. Like, I think all of that can have such a long-term impact. And like my viewpoint as a parent is one to set the boundaries for the kids and kind of lead by example. Cause most of what my kids at this age are doing between the ages of three and six are literally just watching. Sure. I don't need to tell them all the time. They're, they're just watching how I show up, yeah. how I speak with 
Jeremy, how I operate in life, the things that I'm choosing to do, if I'm working out or not, like they're just watching. And then after that, it's like observing them and then cheering them on for what they're excited about, whether it be lacrosse or a bug collection camp, <laughs> like whatever it is, I don't care. If you're interested in something, I'm just excited for there you. you. Go. And I'm yeah, a big think believer so. in that embracing what yeah. the kid's interested in hundred percent. It's funny that you said that it's like 100% you always care because that's why people who, and I have a couple of friends that are like this, their dads walked out on them when they were young, like, you know, like weren't part of their lives. There's like a part of them that's still incomplete. Is that the right word to say? Like there's a part of them that will forever never let go of the fact that their dad left them. And it impacts them all in different ways, right? From like some of my boys have invited their dad who left their family to like wedding. And I was like, why would you do that? Now I'm thinking to myself, why would you do that? I would never do that to, you know, but like, like you said, like approval, acceptance, pride, what is it like, but. I mean, I think it's all of that. It's, it's, and and it's the not knowing, especially, I mean, when a parent leaves, there's just a not knowing and making up a whole alternative reality of what it could have been like had they stayed. And maybe there was other things pulling them. Who knows what, like there's all versus if you have a dad in your life and he's just not that great, you still have that hint of wanting approval and being like, damn, can't you just like cheer me on? And it probably does influence your path quite a bit. And you're thinking, but you at least have that contrast and you can be like, well, I'm not going to be a dad like that. I choose not to do that. But if you just don't have one around, then I think that's even harder because then you don't even know what would have existed. Yeah. Um, so it's better to have a bad dad than no dad. That's my, yeah. it's better to have a psycho dad who's crazy. Well, I don't than know just... about psycho and crazy because you don't want an abusive one, but I think. Well, yeah, you don't want an abusive one. But yeah, you know I, think, I think one that you find flawed is probably okay. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. Like, cause if, if you show up, if you show up some of the time, you're at least throwing some positive vibes out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's better I mean, than none of the time. Cause the people that show yeah. up none of the time, yo, that messes people up. You know, it's other, what else is interesting is, um, a couple of the people I know they've had their parents divorce as an adult. And I would think, I would have assumed prior to witnessing it, if you told me this, I would assume most people would be okay. Like my parents have grown apart. They want a different life. I'm telling you 100% of the people I know that this happened later in their, like from what they thought was like a perfectly good family. I wouldn't say messed them up permanently, but in that moment, they were very emotional. Like it like bothered them a lot. And as an adult, is interesting because we're probably this is definitely happening to some of our listeners. Whoever your parents choose next, it's interesting. Like as a kid, it's just like you're very protective. Like you will, it's like I bet you don't really accept them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just how yeah. it's like, who's this? Who's this? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, but then I've also seen around a couple of my friends as they got older. Then they started seeing like, hey, why are you guys even together right now? And the parents using the kid as kind of like this therapy session. And then when they finally do move on and get divorced, I've had two to two or three of my friends who that has happened with recently in the past five years. And they were so excited for mainly the mom. Uh, all All three of these times, it was the mom getting out of something that just had not been working for decades. And the kid being like so excited just to see her happy and in a new stage of her life. Yeah. So I, I do think that too, because I remember me being a kid growing up. I remember watching my parents be like, y'all just need to just separate. Like, well, I used to think what that are all we the doing time. here? Yeah, I, yeah, and I, I used would, to think that all I, I would have been fine with it. Like, I just want everyone to be happy. Yeah. Who cares about the idea of marriage? Like, it really just, to me, you stay married until you're like, well, you know what? We tried for a while. And like, if you have to close out that chapter, fine. Like, don't just stay in it because whatever, like you think, cause you're married, you have to stay in it. I just think you can try. And if it's not working for a long period of time, like, thank you for your time. And I'm complete here with this chapter in my life. Cause you could have a whole nother half of your life going. <laughs> Why would you stay with someone that you're like, this really isn't fulfilling. I mean, I, I so anyways, I always want, or I didn't always, I, I'm but absolutely I thought I'm, <laughs> aligned on that. I mean, when I was growing up, I used to always think like my parents should separate. And I actually looking back on it, I still think they should have. I think my mom would have been substantially happier. You can, I think you can still want what's best for each of your parents and know they're probably not that good together. Uh, that actually happened. My, my cousin, actually, uh, her, her family, uh, her parents split 
Um, and I think they were happy. If if I were to assume, I think they they knew it was better that they were apart, but they still respect. They love their mom very much, and they still respect their dad very much. Like uh, my cousin goes to visit him, and you know, is helping him out, and he's much older now and wants to take care of him, and she she wants to take care of him. So you still have that respect, but you can also, like you said, recognize like you two probably don't fit together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think that's what's beautiful about the space that we're in now in this time frame is that I think it's becoming more normal to choose yourself instead of staying in something because you're told by your parents, religion, the government, whoever, that you're supposed to stay in a family unit. I think there is this movement now of really caring about yourself and wanting to make sure that you're actually happy and not just giving up when things get hard, like not that, but you know, I mean, I knew when my marriage was done, I knew a couple of years, like when it was done. And I think a lot of people are in that stage now and actually choosing themselves instead of staying in it because of the embarrassment of being divorced or not being able to make it work. So based on what you just said, so what, if you thought years prior that things were not going super smooth, what made you try to extend your family? Have you ever thought about that? Or was that like a whoopsie? Oh, I know. I've been asked this many (laughs) times. No, it wasn't a whoopsie. Yeah. I've been you, asked I, this. I, I, um, I, I, I agree. You can fully love your children, but, but yeah. not, you know what I mean? And not love yeah. <laughs> they're biological. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. I, I've seen that now so, a couple times. Yeah. So at that point when I, I mean, Grayson, my first son was already in the world. So maybe it had been, yeah, it had been a year before that kind of shakiness. Was, yeah. Grayson was probably and, one and change when you, when you got pregnant. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. He was, um, like closer to one than he was two. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was one. Yeah. Yeah. He turned, he turned two a month after the twins came. Right. Okay. So So he's like one in two months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I would say slightly before he was around, (laughs) I definitely could feel, you know, like, I don't know about this. I'm not sure. It feels like there's just, it, it feels like an unsafe relationship. It feels like a lot of chaos constantly. It feels like a lot of me having to put out fires all the time and it didn't feel good, but I'll say one, I didn't know like anything different really. I mean, I'd been with that person since I was 19. And so I think when you're in something for so long and the longer you're in it with someone, it starts to feel normal. And you're like, well, the grass isn't always greener. And then you talk to people and you talk to parents maybe, or, you know, in-laws and they're like, I mean, you just need to read these books and like therapy and you can't give up. Like you can't, you know, you can't give up. That's you guys committed an oath and you, whatever, whatever we did. And I, I think between not knowing what I was actually in fully of like, Hey, maybe this isn't always like, this isn't healthy and maybe it's not good. And I should choose me not having the confidence, uh, in myself just to be on my own, um, at that time period and being like this, how would this even work? And I had my, you know, ideas about what it would look like being divorced with a kid who's only one. So I had a lot of thoughts around that of like, I don't think I should do that. That seems really terrible being divorced with a kid who's so small. And what do you even do with him? Like, how do you even, like, I don't want to split time with my one-year-old, you know, that sounds terrible. That sounds like a no. So I think all those thoughts running outside influences coming in um, and always having the hope I know something about me is I always will see the best in people. um, And I'll always see their greatness, which I'm like, I know where you can be. If you just do these things, like you, I see your power. I see your greatness. I see how amazing you could be. And it's just like subtle tweaks. And to me, a lot of those tweaks feel easy. Like I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like, man, if you were just maybe to take care of yourself or maybe you were to whatever it might be, like, I'm not sure. And I'm not going to put that out there now, but I can just see how close people are to being at that really great stage. And I can get lost in the vision I have for someone else and forget about the reality and the timing. And so I think what hit me when I was in that stage, I started journaling and just writing down daily, weekly feelings. Because what I realized was so much time would pass and I would forget like, hey, it hasn't been going well for a while. So it wasn't until after Grayson came and maybe even when the, when I was pregnant at that point, 
And the only reason I was pregnant with the twins at that point was because I'm like, I don't want Grayson to be an only child. <laughs> I mean, it was really pretty uh, logical <laughs> to me. I'm like, okay, I have one kid. If I get divorced now and I start dating again, I mean, Grayson's not going to have another sibling. Probably he's going to be like 10 years old. I don't know. Um, <laughs> were you worried and even like, the oh, idea it's going to be bring... a half brother? Like you wanted a bio brother like, or a bio yeah, sister? Well, kind of, Is that part of your thought process? I kind of did wonder about yeah. that too. Yeah, I think that was something that came up where I'm like, I just didn't know anything about that. I didn't grow up in a household like that. So I just wasn't sure. So there's a lot of unknowns. And so I'm like, well, it feels easier. <laughs> Especially just if to... your next ba uh, baby daddy was a, a different race. It's like, oh, you're, I have a white kid yeah, and a biracial which, kid. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, now, now the space that I'm in, I'm like, mm, I actually wouldn't yeah. care. But back then, I think I just didn't yeah. know. And I was like, it just, I don't want to have an only child because that's my one thing. I didn't want to have an only uh -huh. child um just because of uh things that i think can make it hard when you're an only child yeah. as you grow up I, and i mean i, I, I want siblings. if you can I, I i agree i think having someone that gets more attention than me like you know gets that you have to share attention with they have to share things with they have, you have to cooperate with um is beneficial because these are things that will you will have to do but no doubt about it i think so. yeah yeah yeah, so that was my reasoning. It was like logical and all the other things I mentioned. But the the point that it came to where I really realized like, oh man, I need to hop out of this outside of all the chaos that came from what you already saw in the relationship and the company and all that. Outside of that, I remember looking at my journal and I start going through my notes, not a journal. It's like my notes on my iPhone where I was taking my daily or weekly just thoughts so just down. just going back in time? And Yep. Yep. And I would, I would also put good things in there too. It wasn't only just bad things. Like every day I would try and make a note in there and I start going back in time and I realized almost the majority of my notes were bad. Like me not feeling good, me not getting treated well, me not like wanting something better, whatever it might be, a conversations I would have texts I was planning on sending to my husband at the time. I mean, I just saw it and I was like, this is like two years now or more. Like I just started taking notes, but like I knew it had gone on before then. And I think that process of just documenting over a timeline and trying to make it as objective as possible. Like I said, putting in good things too. But I noticed all my good things were really just around Grayson or like the company stuff or my friends. Like it wasn't about my relationship. And that was just more of the wake up moment where I was like, okay, this has been going on longer than I realized. And I've got my documented proof here that shows that. Um, and then as I've mentioned in previous episodes, the universe just kind of shoved everything on my plate at once that sped up the divorce quicker than it ever would have probably happened yeah. otherwise. So. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's out there who's thinking this quite, we've gotten deep now. We went from Santa Claus to like, <laughs> People we're like, what the hell kind of journey so, am I on in this episode? We start stay, with Santa Claus and we end with divorce. Leave. Maybe we need to save this portion to the next episode, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, if I were to look back on how we got here, having, let's go from the top, which is like how you want your kids to see the world. I think play, I mean, that is, that changes your perspective, I think on everything that you do. And I think it's good. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> no two people are going to be the same. There is no one way to parent. I would say if you come from a place of good intentions, you're probably doing something good for your kid. Cause, cause like you've always said, no one knows your child more than you. You know what I mean? Like nobody. Yeah. And you know how to parent them. I mean, someone could come in, come in. I mean, if you were to be like, Hey, you gotta be harder with grace. And I'd be like, I've never yeah. said that. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> but I'm just, I think it's easy for people to like try and apply parenting where you're like, Hey, if you knew my kid, you know, he needs a little more rigor, needs more like intensity or needs a lot more, uh, like, calmness with one of them like one of my twins might need yeah. this so I, I think yeah you know your kids best and I, I think at the very least just making sure that your kids feel the intention is important where they just know you have their best intention at the very least that's like one principle that anyone can take away from this in parenting is like you love your kids and you want what's what is best for them even if what you're doing is different than what I'm doing the the that is the, and that is the absolute. So like, that's where, that's why I can see, and this is a separate subject, but like all the buzz, there's a lot of buzz newsworthy events where people are tr trying to say like morality 
and what is morally right or wrong should not be taught in schools, right? Because people are yeah. very vocal now. You know what I mean? Like, I think we've yep. established, for example, laws. You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't hurt other people. You shouldn't kill other people. I think that's fine. I think because that's pretty much universally agreed upon. Like, we agree. Like, this should not be done. But everything else is pretty much a gray area. So I think you stick to schools need to stick to science. They need to stick to, you know, stick to things that are clearly obvious. And if and if you want to tell us, read a story, test on that. But like to try to teach new layers of more, whether it's morality, except like there's a lot of boundary where the reality is, man, just people just have widely differing views. And so you're just not going to get let's say consensus, you know what I mean? Like, I think we have consensus on like, should you be allowed to kill people? Probably not. You know what I mean? And you shouldn't do it. <laughs> I think, I think there's relative consensus there, but there's a lot of gray area stuff. And so when it comes to parenting, I think that's another thing that jacks up, especially new parents. Cause I remember, um, I remember when my wife was you know, pregnant, but not, not a mom. Well, I guess you were a mom the second you're pregnant, but the baby was still growing and not <laughs> out in the world. And you read a lot of like parenting books, Man, they all say something different. It's like business too. You read a business, like you for every think slow and grow, you know, think slow and grow, there's a move fast and break things. You know what I mean? Like there's just different ways. I think it's a really tough challenge for everyone. But I think that introspection that you had, that's probably what everyone needs to get to. Is like, can you how quickly can you realize what you need and what who you are? Because the quicker you can get there, there's probably a better path to follow. The more you don't know what you care about, don't know what drives you. Mm-hmm. The more confused yeah. and probably the more hard everything will feel because inevitably you'll end yeah. up trying to yeah. do something. It's not built for your personality. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I also think when you think about parenting or running a business or anything, once you start getting information outside of those spaces, like I think about parenting books, parenting books, a lot of them say the same thing. A lot of them are built off of maybe knowledge that's not so relevant anymore, (laughs) maybe, you know, studies that wouldn't even be proven true now. And they're all, a lot of them are saying similar things versus, I mean, when I think about the space that I was coming from around Santa Claus versus St. Nick, it came from reading other things. It came from reading, you know, the Mary Magdalene scriptures, which she's like been completely removed from the Bible type of thing because she was a woman and, but super interesting reading those. Uh, and then the nonviolent communication book that you and mm-hmm. I discussed and just kind of hearing like how language and rewards can really be used in a manipulative way and reading, I mean, power versus force. And so I think at least with me, I'm not telling anyone else to do this, but when I go out and seek knowledge from other areas, whether it be history, whether it be um, just different spaces, that is usually what has the biggest influence over my parenting or how I run a business. It's not going and looking up, how do I run a business 101? It's going and looking in crevices and like the shadows of spaces that haven't been explored for a while where I'm like, oh man, this one random book over here that maybe is about, you know, like a book I'm reading right now is about this shaman dude who became a shaman over 40 years in Peru, (laughs) but having one little nugget that I read in there of like his experience that then comes and influences something else in a completely different part of my life. So that to me is where I've been having the most fun generating knowledge is like connecting pieces that weren't meant to be connected. Like it's not me pulling tidbits from a business book. It's not me pulling something from a parenting one-on-one book. It's reading in these different spaces and then being like, oh, these seem like they actually could work well together or it informs me in a different way than, you know, I would have been informed previous to reading all those different books and articles and whatnot. No doubt about it. Final words. If someone's on the fence, what would you say they should do? About Santa Claus or about divorce or about which one? Because we went so Let's many different ways. Santa Claus. <laughs> I think if someone's on the fence about Santa Claus, I mean, one, I want to hear people's opinions. Like, let me know if you're like, you are so messed up, Steph, and you're ruining my kid's life. Tell me, fine. Um, but I'd say one, just digging into the history bit was super interesting to me because, I mean, like you said, we did not grow up religious. And so I thought I knew what Santa Claus was and where it came from and all that. And I actually didn't. And the just diving into that was very interesting. So, so I was thinking and about then, this. I grew up in a non-Christian household. Like my parents weren't Christian and my parents were also immigrants. So they didn't know what Santa Claus was. So I was the one that brought this idea to them. And they were like, what? Like, it's like, what are we getting? Like, 
do we do Christmas? And my, I remember my mom and dad, what's Christmas? What, what's that? You know what I mean? And they <laughs> did. Like, no, they didn't really like get into it. Like we didn't decorate. Oh, no. like, I, we, okay. we, me and my brother would be like, we, we should decorate. And they were like, oh. <laughs> you know, oh, what I mean? but okay. it was still cool to get yeah. gifts and stuff. And it was funny because yep. I guess my mom must have talked to someone who was obviously pro Christmas and was like, yeah, you let them believe it's a little magical for them. But the I mean, you know how some parents will try to like stretch the lore of Christmas? Like, is Santa real? Like, of yeah. course he's real. I remember like being like, is Santa real? And my mom's like, no. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. See, my mom stretched like, it. Like you, <laughs> Even now. Even now I can ask my mom. She'll be like, yeah, he's still real. I'm like, mom, I see your handwriting. He's still Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. my Because my, I, I, I lied for the benefit of my wife because I was like, why are we going to pretend like there's Santa Claus? And she's like, it's magical for them. Yeah. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm letting you know the second they start questioning it. I'm not going to allow them to be that kid in school that doesn't know because that's not cool. Either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that's why, I mean, that's why I think bringing it more into the essence of St. Nicholas is interesting to yeah. me. It's like an essence. It's a spirit. It's generosity. It's a time to really like go above and beyond and reset, you know, your whole next year that's coming up. Like, that's why I'm like, I want to bring in the essence of St. Nick and what he had back then. And less on the present. So that's my thought. But yeah, I would say if people dive into the history a bit, you get to make up your own mind about what you think about that. And, you know, go check out different. I mean, go check out some of these books that I'm reading too. And be part of my own book club. It's a solo <laughs> member, just me. Come on and read some of these books with me. But I do think they're very, they've been very influential. And uh, Lacey and our team will link them up in these show notes so you can go and find them. Um, but yeah, just go and do some digging and then see what you think. Cause I'm not here to tell anyone what they should do, but I'm just here to, you know, come to the table with what I'm doing and exploring and all the experiences I'm going through right now and all the knowledge that I'm finding. And some of it's very useless and some of it's interesting. So I just come <laughs> what, here to share all of answer. it actually. What an answer. <laughs> some of it's just really useless. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it might only be useless right now. Like it might not be forever useless. It's just right at the moment. I'm like, oh, I can't really do anything with this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This one piece of knowledge that I just spent two hours reading about, but maybe one day I'll, I'll uh, recall it back and it'll be helpful <laughs> in, me, in some way. What? It, what? <laughs> and with that, what else is there to say? What, what, what a closing. I don't know. I just found it a, funny. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I find it useless. There's that. The right one. now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, for anyone who enjoyed this windy episode, great. Give us a five star rating wherever you're listening to the show, and we'll see you all next week. Take care, everybody.